Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 232. As always, I'm your host Jared Weich and as always I'm joined by my co-host Dominic Orlando. Who is still praising the sun. <laughs> still praising the sun as always. And uh, we have our, uh, our, our co-host that's here whenever he can be, a friend of the show, he's been on numerous times, you should know him by now, uh, Chris Noons. How's it going Chris? Uh, great. Uh, I'm putting on my Giants gear. I think I might be able to start for the team this week. <laughs> yeah, for you NFL fans out there, the Giants are dealing with uh, quite a number of injuries. Um, <laughs> that, that message you sent was really funny. You're like, oh, maybe I can suit up this week. Who knows? By this point, <laughs> they might be having those roll calls like Philadelphia did, trying to find somebody to play. Right. Um, not a whole lot of game news this week. Uh, I definitely wanted Chris to be on this week because last time uh, – last week's episode dom talked about his initial impressions for far cry 6 and in our group chat you had been talking about playing it as well chris i figured this week bring you on and both of you can kind of have a chat about the good the bad the in between uh of playing that game since i haven't had a chance to touch it yet i thought it'd be a nice a nice little conversation not a niece (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to say nice and at the same time um between you two later on in the show um, but before we get to that, let's get to some quickie news um, here in the rundown. So first up, delay time. Got a couple of game delay announcements uh, this past week. One hurts more than the other, but uh, Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls. Jesus, I'm all over the place today. Elden Ring. <laughs> I even wrote Elder Scrolls by accident on, on the thing. Um, Elden Ring was delayed, unfortunately. Um, only a month. It got delayed to February 25th of 2022. Um, likely bug fixes and that type of stuff. Um I'll eat crow on this, Dom. Uh, on a previous show, I said there's no way in hell this gets delayed. You know, yeah. from software doesn't delay their games, and they typically don't. They don't once they have a release date, they don't. Um, but obviously, we're in this new COVID world, and a month isn't that big of a delay. Obviously, people are talking about now that it's getting delayed into the busiest month of the year for 2022 so far. Um, how did this delay hit you, Dom? That's a bummer, but like you said, like one month is kind of it's sort of odd. At this point, usually you get like the month delay a month or two before it was about to come out. Not, what are we at? Like five months, four months out. So it feels weird, but, you know, it'll be okay. It's it's now a month off my birthday when it was previously going to come out, um, so, which is sort of a bummer. And then, yeah, now it's like back to back with Horizon, which is well, bad for Horizon in my case. <laughs> so Well, who knows? Horizon might get delayed again, too. You never know. True. Uh, hopefully it in does, fact, but you never know. I'd count on it, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know if this is... I'm pretty sure this one's being uh, published by Bandai Namco as well, right? It's a usual publishing. Because obviously uh, Sekiro so. was uh, Activision. All right. Um, the other delay here, I don't know if you have any interest in it, Chris, but... It's always nice to get these December game releases because it's like a, an early Christmas present, right? We're going to get Halo this year, which is great. Yeah. But there was another game coming out in December that I was excited about, and I, thought, I think a lot of people were because it was a series returning for the first time in a while. And that was Advance Wars 1 Plus 2, which were the HD remakes that are going to be coming out at the beginning of December. Uh, we heard this morning it's going to be delayed to spring 2022, which is a little bit more worrisome of a delay because at least Elden Ring, you got a specific date. This one's moving from a specific date to a window. Um, what do you think about this delay in general, and were you interested in this game at all? I wasn't interested in the game, but spacing it out, especially in December when Halo's coming in hot, uh, I think is good for any any game if they feel like they need a little bit more space and a little bit more time. It's like the same thing with... Um, Elden Ring and Horizon coming in and then you know that like 
there are four or five games in that space that could easily just get bumped and move out just because, I mean, you have two heavy hitters. So if I was somebody in the December area, I would totally back away from Halo, period. Like, I just, I'd walk away from it just because the game is free and it's through Game Pass and it just makes the most sense. Yeah, and something like Advance Wars, right? It's, I think they're going to have that built-in sales audience no matter where it releases, the people who are either feeling nostalgia or secondary nostalgia of hearing people talk about the, the franchise. And I do think you want to pivot and move it to a place where you can see those extra sales from the people that are those decision makers of, oh, well, there's this other game coming out close to it. It, it could use the versatility there because they kind of already have that baked-in sales number of who they expect to buy it, and it's kind of good to, you know, delay it to a place in which they can see the utmost success for it so who knows we'll see i don't know i think it's kind of 50 50 because when you move out of uh december this is the holiday season you know into january where people are way tighter with their wallets so it's kind of remember 50 50 it's spring 2022 so it's like could be a any of a number of months right so it's not just a january it could be wherever so april yeah yeah exactly um but it is a bummer uh the, the Elden Ring one is a little bit more of a bummer just because, like, you have to wait even longer. And as somebody who wants to get around to playing the first Horizon before the second one comes out, I hope they don't release next to each other because I'm going to choose Elden Ring. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? That's course. just that's a priority. Um, we, we have to. Exactly. <laughs> we do. We've, uh, we've got to see gameplay of Elden Ring here in December at the Game Awards. Oh, right? the Game like, Awards. I mean, yeah, for sure. Have to. Like, because at this point, we're, like, less than five months out, and we really haven't seen very much of the game itself. Well, and there's something we're going to talk about later where it could also pop up uh, outside of the Game Awards, but we'll get to that shortly. But with the Game Awards, From Software has a pretty good relationship with Jeff. Um, uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki doesn't show up almost anywhere ever to do anything. He's just not that type of personality. And the fact that he was there to accept the award for Sekiro's Game of the Year was huge in and of itself. Not only did the game win, but the fact that Miyazaki was there is kind of a big deal that people don't talk about because that guy's kind of like a hermit, kind of just sticks to being at the studio and working on things not one to uh, acknowledge recognition, which is obviously a cultural thing for Japan, but specifically for him too. He's just not that type of person. And then we saw um, Sekiro was initially revealed at the Game Awards. If you guys remember, there was that teaser, right, of the arm. And we're like, what the heck is that? So there is a relationship there. Um, Next up, this is something that I came across. This isn't news per se. This is just information I learned about uh, today. Uh, so Wolverine, which was the, the upcoming PS5 exclusive game that was revealed that's going to be developed by Insomniac Games, which I don't understand where they find the time to do all this stuff. Um, the lead writer from Spec Ops The Line, Walt Williams, which if you haven't played Spec Ops The Line, I don't want to spoil it for anybody out there. One of the best, uh, not only FPS campaigns out there, but video game campaigns in general. It's a really good story. Um, he's the story lead on the Wolverine game at Insomniac. Uh, which is really dope, and that gives me more confidence in that because we already know from the development side um, that he that Insomniac's going to nail the quality of Wolverine. And now that we have a writer who has a a track record, um, I'm super stoked. Obviously, if you are unfamiliar with Walt Williams, outside of Spec Ops: The Line, he's uh, written a couple of books. I think one's called Is It Subsequent Zero? Yep. Uh, yeah. On my shelf. He also did Battlefront Two, right? Yes, that's what I was uh, yes. just confirming because I thought that too, but yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. That was co- a co-op writing thing with uh, Mitch Dyer, formerly of IGN, who's worked on a number of EA Motive and EA games as well. Um, so yeah, this is dope. I don't know how you guys feel about Spec Ops The Line or Walt Williams. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Dom. How does this uh, entice you in terms of the Wolverine coming out? Uh, good. I didn't 
ever play Spec Ops, so I, I believe you. I trust you, but otherwise, I don't know for myself. <laughs> Thank but, you. Um, I, the Battlefront Two campaign, though, I really dug uh, from a story perspective, um, especially gameplay wise. It was, um, you know, not not the most engaging for uh, an FPS, but story wise, I thought it was great. It did some cool stuff. Um, so he's got a lot of good credits. So yeah, this is this is cool because I. I'm not super big into the you know MCU in general or just uh, Marvel in general, I guess. But I did I did watch Logan and <laughs> really liked that movie. So um, it's it's good to hear that for this Wolverine game that yeah we have some some heavy hitters uh, doing the writing. Well, and Wolverine has a pretty good lineage in terms of well, maybe not a lineage, but the last major Wolverine game that came out, Wolverine Origins, the video game version of the movie, the licensed game, was actually pretty good, uh, much better than the movie. Um, so it's good to see. Hopefully we'll tackle back-to-back good Wolverine games. Uh, Chris, where do you stand on this? Uh, did you manage to play Spec Ops Line? Are you familiar with it? And uh, how do you feel about heading into a you know Wolverine game after we've gotten Spider-Man and Ratchet and Insomniac is just continuing to deliver? I did play Spec Ops, and I also read his book um, and how he changed the entire story of Spec Ops the line as a big middle finger. So I thought that that was really super interesting. Um, I was on the other end of the Battlefront 2 storyline. I didn't really care for it very much. I just thought it was kind of... I, I, maybe it was just because he wasn't given a lot to to work with. You think and, that was a scope thing, right? Yeah, with EA being I, like you have to make a smaller story so it fits into the you know. Sorry. That and Star Wars is so specific. Like everything oh, yeah. has to be mm-hmm. checked. So like I I feel like maybe Marvel is a little more hey hands not hands off but like we trust you type thing. You know what I mean? Like we know where you're coming from. We trust Insomniac. I mean obviously he's gonna have to vet stuff, but like n- maybe not quite as much as Star Wars because fans get rabid over that kind of thing. So. He's also uh, really big into comics and and that sort of thing. So I have I have a feeling he's just going to run with it, which is kind of cool. Man, what? And so much my complaints lately because everything they're trying to do with Star Wars, like they are very strict with their canon. They won't do anything outside of it, which is incredibly limiting. So yeah, even when you get the the best writers, there's just when you have those arbitrary limitations, there's only so much you can do. And especially as a a shorter FPS uh, campaign for Battlefront, like then you're really kind of hamstrung. But that's why, like, I, that's why I feel like a big part of the reason Marvel Spider-Man on uh, PS4 was so successful because, and you know, they didn't stick to the MCU. Like, imagine sure. if that had to fit in. Like, I, I can't imagine it would have been. It would have been weird. It would have been. I mean, being totally told that you have to bring else. all those callbacks in, like you have to have Han Solo, you have to have Luke like right. You're basically Shit like, like okay, well, how do I do that, and how do I make it interesting? So, uh, mm-hmm. like to your point, like you're hamstrung by by the all the canon itself. Well, and, and so for Wolverine, we know that that's going to be like like uh, Insomniac Spider Man, right? Where it's not related to the MCU; it's kind of its own thing, as far as I think. I yeah. Well, and two. To your point, Dom, it's not even that Spider Marvel Spider Man didn't tie into the MCU. It, it didn't tie into the tropes of uh, a first initial Spider Man game, right? The main villain wasn't Green Goblin. It wasn't the same thing over that we expected. The fact that Miles was included was great. I mean, for people unfamiliar with the comics, um, real quick, for so the MCU, right? Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Now it's a household name. Everyone loves the Guardians of the Galaxy. Before that film. Guardians of the Galaxy was like a C to D tier comic book. Like no one really read Guardians. It was just whatever. To call it the B team or C team was uh, 
was bad towards actual BNC teams. And with Marvel Spider-Man, Mr. Negative was that. Like, obviously, Spider-Man, like Batman, is known for his rogue, uh, his rogue uh, lineup of villains. And Mr. Negative was never mentioned. And the fact that they were able to put him as the main antagonist in that game shows point. you that Marvel is a little bit looser with the structure of who they want to be in the game. And it seems like they're more open to that in general. Uh, even with Marvel's Avengers, as maligned as that game is, they did some unique stuff that you typically would think that uh you know somebody like marvel would be like no you need to do this specifically or this specifically so i think they're in a good place in terms of licensing their properties and letting people run with it um and going back to star wars i think that's why people were so open to visions that recently came out that are mm -hmm. all non-canon but it's these animation studios that got to do whatever they wanted and i believe one of the episodes i have yet to watch a show yet it's definitely on my backlog i want to get to it one of the episodes is was like a backdoor pilot, and they're turning that into an actual show now. Um, the Eighth Jedi, I think, something like that is the name I've yep. heard mentioned. Obviously, like I said, I have no reference because I haven't watched the show yet. But it is – licensing is great because we get to see more stories with the things we love. But to both of your points, it's kind of like handcuffs as well because it's like, well, depending on how – tough and narrowed down the vision is from the people up top you kind of get limited in your storytelling and with battlefront 2 no matter where you fall on it if you liked it or disliked it i think that suffered from scope and budget in terms of ea being like okay we'll let you guys do a single player campaign but it has to fit into all of these little boxes right and it just does seem like you they were maybe hampered by that of all the logistics around it so Exciting stuff. Walt Williams, uh, funny enough, follows me on Twitter. Uh, you know, I don't know why, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Uh, but, yeah, he follows me, uh, which is cool. Um, very, You know, it's one of those times I could be like, oh, somebody famous follows me as if it matters at all. But, yeah, very weird. Um, next up, uh, earlier, Chris, you talked about how we need to see gameplay for Elden Ring. It's coming up so soon. We got the announcement of a state of play coming up. So this is going to be happening on October 27th uh, and quote, the show will be around 20 minutes long and it will focus on upcoming third party releases headed to PS5 and PS4. Obviously there was jokes on the internet of like, oh, I can't wait for this uh, death loop recap, this 20 minute death loop recap because, you know, death loop was showing up everywhere for PlayStation. But this is a place uh, where we can see Elden Ring, obviously the focus on third party releases. I'm assuming it's going to focus mainly on games coming out the rest of the year, so we'll probably see Call of Duty Vanguard again here, is my assumption. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of other big releases, this is a day after Guardians, so I don't know if we'd see Guardians. I don't even know if Guardians... Do either of you know who has the Guardians marketing? Is it Xbox or is it PlayStation? I haven't caught any of the TV commercials, so I have no idea. No idea. I've seen um, the commercials, but I don't remember who's at the back end of it. Yeah, that, they paid all that money for you to remember, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> you got to remember. Um, yeah, so this is pretty cool. I don't know if we're going to see anything crazy. Uh, the big thing here is people want to see Final Fantasy 16. Uh, that's like the big hullabaloo is they want to see that here. Uh, I guess we'll start with uh, you, Chris. In terms of third-party releases heading to PS5 and PS4, as this mentioned, which one do you think is most likely and which one do you want to personally see the most? Gosh, I mean... I guess I'd say Final Fantasy because that's probably going to be the most tied. But honestly, like there isn't a whole lot coming out of this back end of the year. Like I'm not really sure what their plans are for 20 minutes. I mean, maybe there's a PSVR title that we haven't heard about or know about yet. Like maybe that that could be something that comes out that would be interesting to people. But I can't imagine they're going to say anything more than up till December 31st. And they're going to call it right there because anything more than that leads into, you know, Horizon and stuff. And they just don't they're not going to want to have that conversation. 
Yeah, and to clarify, the words I said where it's like 20 minutes focusing on third party, that isn't like assumption. That's literally from PlayStation. Awesome. So that's exactly they want to, you know, set expectations correctly. Uh, how do you feel, Don, about your expectations going into this and what we will most likely see? Uh, they're low for me. I mean, Elden Ring would be incredible, right? I'd like to see more of that, but, you know, I'm not counting on it in the slightest. I think that's reserved for Game Award stuff, um, most likely, uh, if at all, this year. Um, I guess it's possible too. Like, you know, maybe by maybe by December or January, it could be that late where we get like a bigger blowout of previews and stuff for Elden Ring. But Final Fantasy would be cool. Um, I you know, I don't know if, if I'd expect it. You know, I was. Um, it's another Square game, Forspoken. I, I'm pretty sure that's like a it's an exclusive for PlayStation, but. It's still a third party, so that might be something. True. Uh, See more of that. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I want to say, a, a spring game, or at least a 2022 game, I think. And we've not seen too much. Um, but we, it was their, just their last showcase, I think, we saw some of it. So maybe that wouldn't be two in a row kind of a thing. Um, what about, like, um, a fighting game? Like, um, what's that indie indie fighting game that's going to be coming out in like early C- spring? Sifu. Like, Sifu? Like, maybe yeah. maybe that pops up? I have Definitely two. Some I have two possible right, candidates. Uh, so Ubisoft, right? Uh, the day after this comes out, Riders Republic comes out on the twenty eighth. So we could totally see Riders Republic in this presentation, um, and Rainbow Six Extraction, which was formerly obviously oh, yeah. Rainbow Six Quarantine, which is was mm-hmm. supposed to come out this fall and got delayed to January. Um, so Ubisoft can make an appearance in, in some capacity yeah. as well. Splinter Cell, right? Uh, I don't, yeah, but I don't think. Splinter Cell is a type of third-party announcement where that would be, like, in an actual showcase. Like, this doesn't seem like somewhere where we're going to see breaking announcements, right? Of, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this was here. This seems like a follow-up state of play where, like, you know about Mm -hmm. this game, let us show you more type of deal. Uh, We'll probably have some sort of indie game, uh, like, mashup, right, where it's uh, a collage of a bunch of different indie titles. Um, who knows? We'll see. I like that they set expectations. That time for a Far Cry Six Two DLC, like the initial, or at least the first drop. <laughs> oh, for the villains DLC, yeah, right? For, the vil- totally. for that villains DLC. Yep. Yeah, that could totally so, happen in, as well. In that case, I do remember that Xbox always comes up at the end of those Far Cry commercials. So, me, it could still be at the PlayStation uh, showcase, but I'm not. I wouldn't count on it. That well, and with Elden Ring, last time we saw Elden Ring, they had a partnership with Xbox too. Who knows? Like a lot of the stuff is weird. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But I'm glad they set expectations correctly because even their the whole vibe of it is like, hey, come check out some updates on some third party games. It, I, I doubt right. we see a groundbreaking announcement here. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say there won't be a game revealed, but I don't think it's going to be the level of like a Splinter Cell or something little or blow my that Hogwarts thing. A Hogwarts Legacy. Home. Yeah, that thing needs to get on a positive pr train so you never who knows uh distance itself as far away from jk as possible uh next up we got a new studio drop ea is opening a new studio in seattle it's led by former creative director at bungie and co-creator of halo marcus leto uh the studio will reportedly quote uh focus on developing first person games and will report directly to vince zampella's organization um pretty cool not, not a whole lot of news here new studio in seattle uh which is uh you know, obviously, it's a mecca for game development. Uh, Marcus Leto, I'm not too familiar with, but he worked at Bungie, so he has familiarity with Destiny, and he obviously co-created Halo. Uh, focusing on first-person games, not surprising. Reporting directly to Vince Zampella, 
what what do you take that as, uh, Dom? Exactly. Obviously, in the structure know, of like EA, right, with Zampella's success under EA now as a part of uh, Respawn. I guess that's good because yeah, like everything we've seen from Respawn um, has has been good lately. I mean, and, I, and even for me, like I, I really dug Fallen Order. So, um, and obviously Apex is a lot of people love that shit too. So I don't. I'm, and he's heading that I, new studio. Remember, he took over that uh, support studio in LA, and they renamed themselves. I can't remember the name. Uh, um, that sounds but, familiar, yeah. but yeah, I don't remember the details. I guess. I don't know. I guess I, at the end of this, at the end of the day, I, I've been, I think we've been given reason to trust Vince. So <laughs> I think that's, a, yeah, I look at it as a positive, I suppose. Um, what, what do you think, Chris? Is there anything you can glean from this announcement or is it just like, cool, a new EA studio? Hopefully they don't close it in five years. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, like at, at this point without having anything more definitive, I mean, Vince is overseeing quite a bit of stuff, so this is just like one more thing under his umbrella currently. Yeah, it the the first person focus isn't crazy, and the fact that maybe that's part of why they'll be reporting directly to Vince Ampella because obviously he's like the first person guy at EA. So maybe it's like if he gives them the green light on stuff, it's like well Vince has had success with those type of games. Who knows? Um, but the more things Vince Ampella is involved with, the better, in my opinion, anyways, because anything he touches tends to be pretty good. Um, when it's not a weird announcement of a Star Wars game title at E3 while he's sitting in this. You guys remember that? At E3 when so they announced awkward. Jedi Fallen Order, and he was like, I love Vincent Pella. I don't think, I think he uh, was under the influence of um, some uh, stuff, <laughs> you know, just vibing, having a good time, and they kind of, it seems like they dropped that on him. of like, hey, what's the name of your game? And he's like, uh, uh, thinking like, oh, do I have the NDA clearance to say this? Uh, but yeah, I love Vince. So we'll see what happens there. And lastly, this is kind of like a loose conversation. I will start with you, Chris. What did you think of that Uncharted trailer? Uh, I thought it was... <laughs> I mean, to be polite. I, it, like, listen. Uh, it, it looked like somebody dressing up in costume, right? Playing uh, Nathan Drake. I, it just... The CGI, the green screen stuff was absolutely trash. Like, to me. It, it, it looked like it, worse Fast and the Furious trailer. Like, it was, like, really just over the top that said it's a trailer so that's about all you could garner from it like we'll find out a little bit more when the movie comes out but it was not a great first impression in my opinion i i'm with you i i don't i didn't expect this to be great and obviously we'll see when it actually comes out but i was surprised that that it looked i don't want to say low budget because it's obviously they're doing wild crazy big set pieces but something about it all just felt cheap still and and, I, and that's not really fair, but that's, all, that's the only way I can describe it. it. Just felt like the like a two TV movie almost, where like they like had, a Disneyland a version of Indiana Jones. Like yeah, like, like you were on the rock, like at the at the like Disneyland watching it versus you know what I mean, like the adventure, whatever the Indiana Jones adventure yeah. versus like the real movie. Kind of like that, and then where it's like too it clean, off. it's like too polished. It's like there needs to be a little bit more grunge here. It all looks like fabricated. And I think certain things don't translate well so in, in the uncharted games there's a lot of like unrealistic jumping right um but it it's more believable your suspense of disbelief is just greater in a video game i think especially those ones but when they show tom like jumping from you know hanging from the plane jumping from cargo crate to cargo crate and then supposedly back into the hangar it, it, it just defies physics in every way you cannot jump upwards 
when you're it it would not work like it just, you know what i mean and, and that felt just bad to me and then mark well, Wahlberg was just there like basically adding nothing God, at God, all which was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. yeah the shooting is going to be just as bad as the game like if they shoot like stormtroopers <laughs> um so we talked about this one the, the 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 latest director was revealed dom and i told you that like the moment Mark Wahlberg was attached to this. It kind of turned me off to the whole thing. I'm not a big Mark Wahlberg guy. I don't want to get into the entire thing, but like, if you look into his past, it's unbelievable that that guy is still be able to make millions as a Hollywood actor. Um, just do your own research and you'll understand where I'm coming from on that. He's a bad actor. I've always felt he's a terrible actor. As somebody who has no attachment to Uncharted, I've never played the games, right? I, I told you this in a message on uh, Discord when we were talking about it. It, the movie looks like how the game trailers look to me. And I'm not saying from a quality's perspective, because I agree with you guys, it does something about the cinematography and it looks like off for some reason. It looks very weird. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it reads to me like a Fast and Furious movie. It's just as ridiculous. It does all this stuff that you have to have this disbelief. And that's how the Uncharted games always look to me. If you actually look at the narrative of like the Uncharted games, they're very simple, right? And... The, the reason people fall in love with those games is the characters, not necessarily the, the narrative of the games. Mm-hmm. And it's an action flick. And to me, it's like, oh, yeah, this looks like an action flick. And like I said, I'm coming from a perspective of I have no investment in the series. So take my word with a, an absolute grain of salt. But it was like, yeah, this is what I expect from a uh, you know an Uncharted movie. I don't know what, what else people wanted. Um, maybe for Sully to have a mustache, that'd be great. Uh, as somebody who's not even attached to it, it's like, it's weird. I wonder if Mark Wahlberg is like, Oh, you know, it'd be great if at the end of the movie we reveal that I grow my mustache. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's going to be a post-credit or mid-credit scene where he has a mustache. Now I can already call it, put money on it, go to Vegas. Um, yeah, that's whatever. Uh, I don't think this is going to be the untri- the video game movie that breaks the curse. Uh, in the meantime, if you want something based on a video game that's really good, go watch Castlevania on Netflix because they killed that. Um but yeah, maybe we'll, we'll just kind of wait a little bit longer. And who knows, when this movie comes out, it could be a just a dumb, fun, blockbuster action flick. Uh, and as long as you go in with those expectations, you'll probably have a good time. But if you're mm-hmm. expecting like Citizen Kane or like classic Indiana Jones, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Um, and I, people should have known that when they couldn't find a director for years on this and everyone kept jumping ship. But uh, it's neither here nor there. I want to get into real quick before we get into your guys' conversation on Far Cry 6. Uh, some of my uh, impressions on Psychonauts 2. I've talked about it for a couple of weeks now as I've been playing through it. And I also wanted to mention two games I'm playing during the interim before Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. Because that's going to be the next game I'm diving into. Um, so on Game Pass, I had two games marked that are actually leaving the service at the end of October that I wanted to get to. I started up Knights and Bikes. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this game. Uh, it's an indie title published by Double Fine. Uh, it's a, an adventure game. Uh, I'm only about an hour in. It features the two main characters of these two young girls on this island. And the narrative beats of it are basically you end up finding out that the girl who lives on this island, her mom passed away for some unspecified reason. So she lives alone with her dad. So it's kind of unraveling that story. Um, really good stuff. It's only like a five-hour game, so I'll definitely be able to finish in the next couple of days here, but having a good time with that. Um, hopped into it based on recommendations I saw from like Greg Miller of Kind of Funny and other people. And then the other one is a game that I've wanted to play since it came out, but you guys can probably see where I'm coming from on this. There's games, you see them, and you're like, oh, that looks like a really fun game. I can't wait to play that when it goes on sale, right? And it's not that the game doesn't hold the value of it coming out at retail initially. It's just that you know it's a game that you're not 
as interested in a play right away and you can wait for the sale and then enjoy it because it's something about the game. You don't have to be invested in the conversation or the zeitgeist of the moment. You can just put it off until later, right? That's Unruly Heroes for me. I don't know if you guys remember this game. It was initially revealed and it, everyone was like, wow, that looks like Rayman Legends. Why does it look so much like Rayman Legends in ter terms of its art style? Came out that the developer, the development team was made up of a lot of people who worked on Rayman Legends over at Ubisoft. And it's basically a take on Journey to the West, if you're familiar with that old Chinese fable. Um, obviously, Goku from Dragon Ball Z is based on that, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, which is an underrated game um, from Hellblade developers... Oh man, the name's escaping me. Help me out. Ninja Theory. Ninja, Ninja Theory. Theory. Yeah. So people have done their take on on it. It's just it's like Rayman Legends. If you loved Rayman Legends, which is a 2D platformer that mixes in musical elements and combo-based combat system, it's that. It's pretty. It's you know not a whole lot there in terms of story. It's just a fun video game ass video game, which I'm sure we'll talk about with Far Cry 6 shortly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so having a blast with those two games. Unruly Heroes, I think, is like nine total hours. So there's 27 levels in it, and I'm through like six of them. So I think I should be able to finish it in time. I kind of want to beat both of these before Guardians comes out, so I can have my full attention on that. And the last thing was Psychonauts 2. So I recently finished that game. As I said previously, Dom, I thought it was going to be my game of the year so far. It still is. Uh, the art style just grew on I mean, I loved it initially, but it grew on me even up until the final credits where it's this beautiful blend of Tim Burton and Jim Henson just mixed and mashed. And the first game was very much uh, Tim Burton. And this one, when you enter the mother lobe, which is a hub base for the Psychonauts, you're introduced to all these other characters and people living in the world. And that's where the Jim Henson, you know, Muppet vibes come in. It's very much that if you look at any gameplay of it, when you get to this area and you meet these other people, You'll be like, oh, yeah, this totally reminds me of like a Muppet mix with a Tim Burton movie. And that's the whole aesthetic of the game. I love that. So the original Psychonauts came out in the early 2000s. And with a lot of those games, especially something like what Double Fine was making, they don't sit there and write out the entire lore for this series and then then release it. Right. It's like they make this game. They fill in the, sto the story holes, leave some mysteries for fun. And who knows if you'll ever get a sequel or not. But, you know, they just are building the world as it's going. With this game, because of the financial backing of Microsoft and obviously all of their, I think it was either Kickstarter or Fig that, that initially invested in this game, they were able to go back and over the course of the last 15 plus years, what are the questions that fans have about this world, right? Let's answer those. Let's give some more information. Obviously, throw out some more breadcrumbs in terms of the mystery of it all, but kind of fill in those gaps for people. And the cool thing is you actually get a full understanding of what the Psychonauts are, the history of the Psychonauts, the founding members, what happened to them. Some really cool story twists along the way. Um, once you finish the game, it does something that I commend any video game for in that you can go back into the world and do get the collectibles and do all the 100% challenges without having to worry about doing New Game Plus or something weird. It's very easy, uh, very accessible in that way. Um, there's checklists in the game for all the collectible stuff, which is super helpful. It's just like anything you'd want from somebody who's like, oh, I finished this game. I want to try to hundred percent it and get either the platinum if it was on PlayStation or get all the achievements. It totally goes out of its way to make that a fun experience. I'm currently going through that now. I, I love the game. As I told you, Dom, uh, I don't think we've had a chance to talk about Psychonauts, Chris, but as I told you, Dom, uh, you don't necessarily have to play the first game. 
you know, watch like a short YouTube video giving you a primer on what happened in that game and what exactly is going on. I would strongly suggest that anybody, even if you haven't played the first Psychonauts, play this game. It's just really fun. Uh, it's really funny, which I think is something we don't get a lot in video games. Like generally, it's just a really funny game and it's whimsical. I don't think we tend to get that, you know, we're, we're in a space where unless it's an indie game, a lot of these uh, higher quality, higher budget games tend to go for more serious tones. Um, and this just has like a childlike whimsy about it with the humor mix that it's doesn't take itself too seriously. You're just in there to laugh, have fun, collect some things, have a story that is as wacky as you'd imagine it, but still makes sense. Um, and the thing I want to mention the most about this game is the way it tackles mental health. Uh, I think it does a phenomenal job. So the first game, you learn about the psychonauts going into the brains of people and figuring out what's going on. And it didn't really necessarily focus on mental health. It was just like, look at all this crazy stuff in people's minds, right? Their imagination's going wild. With this game, they specifically put an effort into talking about what somebody is going through and trying to figure out how they can solve that. And so not only are you going into these minds of these people and getting put into these crazy scenarios based on how their own mind functions and the problems they have with their life or their regrets, uh, you kind of come to terms with how these people can move forward with their lives and fix their mental health. And it's, you know, like I said, the game's funny, but it never necessarily pokes fun at somebody's mental state without there being like a, like a core reason behind that that leads to kindness or leads to understanding uh and i appreciate that a lot um especially in the day and age now where we're still trying to get over the stigma of mental health in a lot of ways for a game to tackle this uh and not to be so serious about it but to be, be funny and show that there are ways to get past trauma because um, there's some there's some traumatic stuff that happens in this game with people you know either dying or being lost or just these heartbreaking scenarios and it kind of shows you how somebody's mind can unfurl in a way where they were one person and then something happens and they become somebody entirely different than who you thought they were. And that isn't always necessarily their fault, right? Because uh, the mind is so weird in the way it handles trauma and coming to terms with that type of stuff. So like I said, I think Psychonauts 2 is a must play. I hope this becomes a franchise uh, for uh, Double Fine. And if they don't want to, that's completely fine as well. But I think Psychonauts is something special, and I like that this wasn't just a sequel to a game that people always hoped there would be a sequel to. It built on the foundation of that first game and refined it and took the mental aspect of hopping into these people's minds and added a layer um, of heart to it that I don't think a lot of people anticipated having. So, yeah. yeah so I'm even... about 10 hours into Psychonauts 2. I'd never played the first one really had a fun time um this is definitely a game i would never have purchased outside of having game pass so the fact that it's on game pass is huge and to your point like I, there are laugh out loud moments like literally laugh out loud moments parts of the, his family are hysterical so <laughs> yeah. um and i definitely am going to go back to it it's just that other things have grabbed my attention like kind of came up uh, kena bridge of spirits came up and then far crisis so like there's just a bunch of things that came up but it's one of those games where like in december i have a feeling i'm gonna end up coming back to it and finishing it out yeah, and it's one of those games, too, where when you come back, I don't think you're going to feel, like, stressed out about what's going on or anything like that. I think sure. you'll be able to hop in and move on. Because the way the game's segmented, too, where every quote-unquote level is somebody else's mind you're going into, there are those points where you can, like, take a break, go do something else, and come back. And uh, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it. Uh, what were we going to say, Dom? Oh, so it sounds like it's definitely even above Death's Door as far as stuff from this year for you? 
a slight edge on it, um, honestly, and I, I just think it's because part of it is nostalgia because I did play the first game and Death Door is the first in a series. And also I think the, the added level of them tackling mental health kind of gave it the edge for me. Not that every game needs to have like a core message like that, um, but they're both such excellent experiences. And the one thing that kind of gave it the edge was that. Um, but yeah, Death Door is, it's like a Sophie's choice, man. <laughs> like I love yeah. those games so much. And I hope, you know, upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy joins that conversation for me and other titles like Halo Infinite. But yeah, Psychonauts 2 is something special. And um, honestly, I had never gotten around to playing it. And I had told uh, Dom when I initially started playing the first Psychonauts, Chris, that if I would have played this game in, I think, 20, uh, 2003, I think it was when it came out or 2004, whenever yeah. that was, it would have been one of those games that would have been on the top of my tongue in terms of whenever I uh, converse with other people about video games, like, man, have you played Psychonauts? You need to play Psychonauts. It's one of my favorite games as a kid. Like it would have been there for me as a foundation alongside Pokemon and other titles because it just clicked with me so much. Like it, it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon in the best of ways. And we don't get that type of thing anymore. Uh, really in, in, in a meaningful way, at least for older people who, you know, have that nostalgia towards that era. Obviously they're still cartoons, but, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's so good. Um, I, I, hope I enjoyed the fact that they gave you like a 15 minute intro. Like they basically yeah. told you the entire story. Like it was like a movie. So it was that that was really cool. It's like I thankfully, I mean, I had I don't have the time to go play Psychonauts. So like the fact that I got a 15 minute movie on what Psychonauts is was perfect for me. Yeah, and on top of that, for people who didn't play Rhombus of Ruin, which was the VR game, I didn't have a chance to play that. And that's basically a game that took place before, between Psychonauts and Psychonauts 2. They give you a primer on that as well, so you're caught up and good to go. Um, yeah, I anybody with Game Pass, I suggest getting it. If you don't have Game Pass, in my opinion, if any of this sounds interesting to you, I would watch a review or some gameplay, and I think it's worth the money if it clicks with you. It just It's a great game. It's very unique in, in the market right now. And I'm glad that it paid off for Double Fine because now that they're under Microsoft's wing, I talked to you about this, Dom. You could tell that they now had the budget of Microsoft to be able to polish this stuff. Like Tim Schafer even came out and said, there's whole parts of this game that wouldn't have made it in if we weren't acquired by Microsoft, which is sad to think about that there's parts of this game that wouldn't have made it to market because they're just an indie studio. And that's one of the benefits now of being under that that corporate wing is being able to see your vision to fruition. And I wonder if, you know, they say that there's stuff that wouldn't have made it in the final product now. If they would have started from the jump with a bigger budget, who knows what Psychonauts 2 would have been. But no matter what, it turned out to be a great experience. And I really hope there's one coming up next. And if Double Fine wants to do that, cool. Uh, but there's such creative people. Like, uh, have either of you played the Costume Quest games? No. No. Those games are great too. Small little fun adventure games. Obviously, they take place on Halloween. I'm hoping for like a Costume Quest 3 pretty soon. Uh, Double Fine is slowly growing into one of my favorite developers just because they offer products that are unlike anything else out there. So, Psychonauts 2, a must-play in my opinion. Had a blast with it. Uh, but we're running out of time here. Uh, we have a hard cutout, so I wanted to get to you two talking about Far Cry 6. Um, I obviously have no experience with it, so it's really up to you two what you guys want to talk about. Dom, I guess you could take the lead and talk to Chris about your guys' experiences with Ubisoft's latest entry in the series. I mean... Giancarlo Esposito is there, so what more could you want? I guess I don't know. Um, it, it's been good. So I I I've put a lot of time into it, even since last week's when we talked last year. But um, it's pretty large. So I I think I'm somewhere around 15 or 18 hours, something like that. And I went through that entire first 
like area, which is like one of three, really. And it took a long time. And I, and I was pretty thorough, but but still, I was surprised at how much more there is still. And um, but I don't. I'll be curious to see if the other areas like are varied, you know, geographically, like setting wise, they look exactly the same because that might start to get a little bit um, samey. Um, unless they also potentially add more types of things to do, which I don't expect that. Cause like, you know, you're going through and capturing bases and doing these like supply interception things and, um, you know, capturing trucks or like the, the typical stuff. And there's, there's fishing too, actually. I tried some fishing and I was kind of, I was kind of into it. Um, which I'm not usually into the fishing mini games and, and these types of things, but for some reason I really got into it. Yeah. I had to upgrade my string strength because they kept breaking it i got i was like a weird thing i normally don't get into that side stuff but for some reason the fishing randomly got me this time but it's um it's been fun still you know last week i talked a lot about um the absurdity of the characters and and they go for a lot of comedy here too because we're talking about um like psychonauts 2 being really funny and this is uh far cry has like some moments where some characters do things that are just so over the top and say the silliest things that it makes you laugh, not necessarily because it's the funniest thing, but it's just so absurd that, you know, there's this one guy, his name is Philly, and I don't know, he's really, everything is Philly magic, baby, and uh, it was funny for a minute, and then it kind of wore off, you know, um, but nonetheless, you end up, uh, you know, flying a plane full of uh, Agent Orange and dropping that on some tobacco fields, so that was kind of fun somehow i guess uh sounds like a weird sentence to put together but i guess that's 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 what you do out here in far cry when you're not shooting uh cds like actual cd discs at people which is a thing you do in this one so that's interesting too (laughs) it's just weird Uh, to say this stuff out loud if you know if you follow if any of you follow chris on twitter at topher noons uh, you know that he's not necessarily super hot on Far Cry Six right now. Uh, could you let us know how you're feeling with the game? You're you're almost you're you're kind of far through it, right, Chris? I am. I'm about well. I'm a little over twenty hours through. Um, and the funny part of it is, is I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. Like that's that. To honest, God's truth. Like I've I've been I've dabbled in four different stories. So like the plate where it tells you to go into one area and go into the Montero area like first or Montego, I can't remember the name of it. What, honestly, yeah, I can't Montero. remember it because the story is not that interesting. But like it, like you go there and I'm like, oh okay. Then I hop into another mission. And then all of a sudden I was helping like the 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 old old squad or the elder squad or the the ancient ones or whatever the hell they're called. So I hopped into that one. Then I hopped in with the like the Libertad and I'm like, oh okay, well this is great. So I was dabbling in a little bit. I was like, maybe one of these stories will catch my attention. None of them actually did. So then I'm like, all right, well, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to go tackle the cousin that's the cousin of uh, Giancarlo, which, by the way, 20 hours in, and I think I've seen him twice, maybe three times. It's mm-hmm. very small, very short. I really loved Far Cry 5. Like, the Joseph Seed stuff was, like, absurd and crazy in the best way, and it hit at the, ri- the right time this game feels like it's wasting my time right now. Like it feels like it's just draining my life. And I'm like looking at it thinking, I don't know if I have another 30 hours to put into this game because that's Mm -hmm. probably what it's going to take for me to do it. Uh, I'm reviewing it currently. So I'm obviously going to keep pushing through, but it's like, it just feels like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And I was looking for things that would might be different in this. And I know 
Far Cry is more Far Cry, which it's fun. Like it's dumb fun and the, it, like you're shooting CDs. I'm shooting Supremos, which I now own all of the Supremos. Any, I don't think there is another one that he can offer me unless there's a special one. And I even got the special one. So like I have all of them and I'm like, these are interesting, but like not really. The mods are, are kind of fun a little bit, but I just feel like uh, I'm collecting medicine that I don't know what it's for. And I'm yeah. collecting scraps that I don't know what it's for. And I... I modded a couple of the guns from the beginning and I found that like they're the ones that I want to stick with and I don't really want to like play with other stuff. So like I'll, I, I've gotten like those specialty weapons that are in like special cases and then you find out that you can't mod them. So like you're stuck with whatever it is that they have and I'm like, well, I actually really like the stuff I've modded on the, on the gun even if it's like a level one versus like a level four. So, and also the, the planes and the helicopters are just like annoying. Like to the point now where they like they've raised like the level and they're constantly chasing me. So I feel like I'm shooting missiles at things and I don't have a lot of missiles because replenishing your weapons outside of the back of your car, which does it, but then there's a 30, li 30 minute time limit off the back of your car when you replenish your ammo. It's hard, like it's, I just don't have enough. So I'd be like, I'm caught in like these really big battles to like take over a place and I'm out of ammo. Like I'm out of everything. Um. So. We have a hard out, so I'd love to hear more about what you have. I guess real quick before we get to the closing of the show, uh, Chris, if you had to give it a, a score or a you know determination right now, if you don't want to give it a score, what would you say in a one to two sentence way for Far Cry 6? It's a lot of fun in the, like, you could literally put a podcast on and just run around because the story doesn't really mean much. So, yeah. like, if you put on your favorite show in the background and you're watching TV while you're playing the game, this is the perfect game to go do that. And it does give you a shit ton of stuff to do. Like to Dom's point, like you could spend hours and hours and hours in one area just grabbing all of the crap that, that it has. That said, if you're like interested in a story, in a main story that has like a really like detailed, interesting information, this is not it. This is it's uh, to me. It's not telling a really good story. And all, the the next person who says Merida to me, I'm like, it's like literally every other word out of there. It's like the word the. <laughs> like, it's like I keep hearing that's the one Spanish word that they could come up with. So that we're gonna say merda for everything, which is I hear it all oh. the time. I keep and I was just playing it. I literally was just playing it like a half an hour, forty five minutes. Um, Conio. I don't know what that means. Conio. I'm guessing it's a curse word. So maybe I Conio. shouldn't have said it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they um, say that constantly. So if people want to hear more about what you have to say about Far Cry Six and you know Guardians of the Galaxy and any other games you're playing, where can they follow you at, Chris? Uh, they can follow me at Topher Noons. Uh, I'm also doing write-ups at megadads.com. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please go over to YouTube, search control, the intro, soul part by it up, subscribe, hit the like notification if you enjoy the video, dislike it if you don't enjoy the podcast, which I don't know why you'd be listening if you don't enjoy it, but people do that. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of Far Cry 6 if you're playing it currently or if you're excited for a game coming out the rest of the year. On Twitter, you can follow us at Jared Weich. That's my full name, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. -E. You can follow Dom at Kenobi. The O and OB is a zero and not the letter O. Uh, otherwise, you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, all the places you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram at Controlled Interest if you want to get your updates there. Uh, other than that, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.